right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network. I, I did not double-check with Eric to make sure he was still good for the show today. I'm usually pretty good about that. And I'm pretty sure I gave you the right Eric Bailey. I have now, by the way, said happy birthday to the wrong Eric Bailey and the wrong Carrie Murdoch in the span of the last two years. And I gave TJ Perry the wrong JT to call on the show about six months ago. Whenever instead of giving him JT Gasso, I gave him Jeremy Timms. Did I, did I get the right number? Are we good? We're good. <laughs> Eric Bailey joins us. That is the Riverwind Casino jackpot line where we punch up the man from the Tulsa world who is softball dad. Softball dad life this week. And how's it going, Eric? What's going on, man? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you doing, Chris? Good. What's this? All right, let's talk about what's important. How's this weather going to affect baby girl's schedule this week? And we good? <laughs> We're good. I think all it's right. just going to go through. Yeah, yeah, we got at least five games this weekend, so it's all good. Nothing might affect practice tonight, but mm-hmm. you know, yeah, exactly. What'd you make of What'd you make of Tuesday night, Oklahoma's win uh, over Tulsa? You know, I thought it was neat because they played the game. They didn't have to play the game because Gasto. There was no reason to go out there and play uh, because you know it was a rescheduled game, and they had Bedlam coming up. They got postseason. But I think it was good for Oklahoma just to get out there and get on a bus and feel like it, you know, just, you know, make yourself a little uncomfortable. Go out there and, and, and play a game and see if you can execute like you want to. Uh, it, it, you know, looked like offensively they didn't did not do that, but pitching and defense were on point. Uh, they got all four pitchers work. They played seven innings. Uh, that's that's something, you know, they got more 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 innings. They got to throw off, like you said, they got to throw all four pitchers. They got to uh, – get a lot of people a lot of swings so I, I think it was good and and coach castle said this uh yesterday uh and tuesday night as well you know she really wants to help uh softball programs like tulsa because that's a huge gate that tulsa would have lost and so tulsa you know gains a, a really nice gate that helps their revenue uh you know it probably helps them do a couple things that they may not have been able to do if they didn't have that game so overall, I, I think it was neat just to play the game, and uh, I, I'm glad it was. I'm glad, I'm really glad everyone got able to go out there and enjoy the game. Me too. Thirty-seven straight or thirty-eight straight wins now for the Sooners heading into Bedlam this weekend, and I, I don't know what to make, Eric. I don't know if you caught it last night, but North Texas beating Oklahoma State, the Cowgirls seem to be their own worst enemy defensively. But I know this much: whenever the Sooners go there. They're going to get their best shot. What do you make of what's happened over the last few weeks to Oklahoma State? Yeah, kind of shocking. It really is because, you know, when, when Oklahoma and Oklahoma State were 1-2 in the standings, if you would have told me then OSU would have 10 losses or finish going to Bedlam with 10 losses, I, I, I wouldn't have believed it. I, I thought there would be no way. Um, so I, I'm just kind of it's, – it, it's really kind of puzzling because that's a really good softball team in mm-hmm. Stillwater. They are outstanding. they got a great coaching staff. Um, so their, their backs are against the wall a little bit. And, you know, this is an important weekend for uh, Oklahoma State because they really need to try to stay in that top eight so they can host a Super Regional. And, and the way the season has gone, it, it really hurts them. And, and the, the thing that's going to help them the most is getting a win or even two wins if they could you know, find a way against Oklahoma. I mean, they'd have that on the resume. Uh, and, and I think, you know, I think maybe one win it looks really, really attractive you know, and, and get you back in that top eight, maybe. I don't know. But I, I, this is a huge weekend for, for the Cowgirls in that aspect. 
Uh, on the flip side, Oklahoma, they need to, you know, match Oklahoma State's intensity because OSU is going to come firing at them. And Oklahoma, Oklahoma, I don't, I don't think they're going to have a problem with this because you, you've been around them. You know, we've seen them. They, they, they play, they play with urgency all the time. It seems like, or they, they know they need to play with urgency. Let's say that they know they need to play with urgency. They, they're going to have to match the intensity of Oklahoma State this weekend. Still, the, um, it, it, and you're right, Oklahoma State last night loses to North Texas. They committed two big errors. They were just one for 14 with runners on base last night and 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position. I just, you're right. You know they're talented. You know what they have um, as far as their overall roster is concerned is really good. You know, Becker's been a heck of a fine uh, Cheyenne Factor and Kylie Naomi are what they are, and we all know how good Kelly Maxwell is. But it's just, it's weird to see Oklahoma State in this position, Eric, based on where they were. It's just wild. Exactly, and you know, uh, you know, you want that momentum going into the postseason. You want to be playing at your best at this point, and you never want a team to really, uh, really hit their stride midway through the season, early in the season. You want to build to where you're at now, and. And, you know, to lose five in a row at one point and, and, and do what they've done now, just unexpected. Um, again, though, and, and we keep talking about that, we can't bury them because no. this is a good team. You're they're right. going to find their, they're gonna find the way. They're, they're going to find their way. They're, they're, they're really good. They're talented. They have experience. That's the thing. They have a lot of experience, a lot of veteran players over there, too. So I, I, I'm looking forward to a really, really good series this weekend, a, a real competitive series this weekend. Hey, you know, Eric, you – Obviously, you've been all in on watching what Oklahoma has done this year, too. And just, I still drop my jaw. I know that certain factions of the fan base starts getting worried about, okay, how, how long can this run last? I mean, eventually all great things come to an end. And I'll tell you, um, the recruiting side of this is incredible. I mean, the future, it blew my mind. I saw some talent this past week, and holy smokes, Eric, it's in really good hands but I never thought we'd be in a position in 23 where this team would be asking questions if they're as good as 22. I point to the pitching staff and just their depth. What do you think has allowed this team to match to this point? Still a lot of work to do, right? You still got to beat Oklahoma State three times. You got to take care of the Big 12 championship with the 22 team didn't. And then you got to get to the World Series. I mean, there's a long way to go to repeat. But what's impressed you the most about how this team has been able to embrace those expectations and even exceed it? You know, what you probably have to do if you're Coach Gasso is you probably have to just set goals in front of them. Um, you know, yeah, there's only been one loss. They haven't lost in two and a half months, almost three months. That's incredible. You know, that Baylor game seems so, so long ago. But I think you just challenge the, the kids every weekend. Everything is a challenge. And, you know, when she recruits, she recruits competitors. She wants kids that come out here and compete. And, uh, you know, this weekend you say, hey, here's the challenge. Go to Stillwater and try to win three against your, your most heated rival. So go out there and, and try to do, do something, you know, do something special this weekend. And then you'd look the next weekend. You said, hey, you didn't win the Big 12 last year. you got to find a way to get that trophy back. There's your challenge this weekend. And then after that, it's, you know, hey, you're home. You don't want to lose on your home field. You know, win this game. And you get the super, same mentality. Don't lose on your home field. And then you go to the College World Series and you tell the team, it's been almost 30 years since someone's won three straight national championships. Mm -hmm. You know, finish the job. Don't be the team that lets it go down. Uh, you, know, you, you know, and you say all that, and you don't want them to put too much pressure on themselves every weekend. But the makeup of this team, I don't know if that, real, that pressure really bothers them as much as you'd think. 
because they are a team full of competitors. So I, I think that's the big thing. Um, I, I want to circle back because you brought up Tulsa. Well, I asked you about Tulsa, and you were on the broadcast the other night, and we've got Bedlam this weekend. Um, Eric, you see the travel ball scene. Obviously, the the Roger States of the world won a championship last year. You've got titles all across for some of the non-D1 schools in Oklahoma. This is about as good as the softball across the board has been in this state. It's incredible from the youth all the way up to now with the WPF, the professional league. Exactly. I mean, you look at junior college, you look at Division yep. Two, you know, UCO, Roger State. Uh, there's Northeastern State even. I've been following them pretty closely. There's a talent across this, you know, on all these uh, college programs. There's a ton of talent. And, 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 you know, a lot of it's homegrown, too. You're right. It starts with the, the young kids and how big it's been, uh, you know, growing up around the sport. You see these kids grow up, develop, and now they have kids they look up to. You know, it, it, it's, you know a lot of these kids look up to OU players, but they also look up to some of these Division two and JUCO mm-hmm. players, too, because they, they build those relationships. And, and I think that's so important. And you're right. If you're an, a softball fan within our state's borders, this is something that you enjoy seeing because you're getting to see quality softball and you're seeing – uh, homegrown talent stay home at some of these programs, and it's just a lot of fun. I mean, those those Division two players, those uh, those junior college players, those NAI players, they're just as talented. They're they're competitor competitors. I enjoy watching those games as well. So it's just a lot of fun, and we're really fortunate to have that all around us. Eric, uh, two more, and I'll let you get out of here first. I, I know that you're uh, unavoidably detained this weekend uh, with in a, in a good way. I shouldn't say detained, but unavoidably uh, <laughs> out this weekend for softball. But how do you see this thing playing out? What do you see? Uh, be- I think we're going to see at least two, maybe three really good games. I think you got a chance for this to be uh, as competitive, if not more than the Texas series. What, what do you see this weekend for Oklahoma and Oklahoma state? Extremely competitive. I really think, I really think game one is going to set the tone for the weekend, whatever happens in game one. I think that, again, as soon as Oklahoma gets off the bus, they're going to have to, it's going to have to be all business because this is going to be a tough, tough, tough uh, series of games for the Sooners. If you're Oklahoma State, again, you, you, they really have to play with urgency. They need to find a way to get a win. They need to find a way to get two wins if they can, which, you know, you think about it, trying to get two wins, this team, Oklahoma team's only walked one game all year, 45-1. and one. But if you're Oklahoma State, you have to have that urgency because you have to really try to find a way to, to, to stay home for that Super Regional. I think that's huge. I mean, that, that, it's really crazy we're talking about that now because, you know, just a month ago, last month at this time, we weren't considering this even being an issue. Now you're on, you're on the, you know, the, the fringe of maybe having to go on the road for a Super Regional. Mm. So I think any win against Oklahoma really improves your, your resume. So I think that's how Oklahoma State goes in. And as soon as we come down to execution, that's it. Just execution on both ends. You have to play clean, and that's what Oklahoma's going to have to go in this weekend and still. They're just going to have to focus on playing clean. That's the big thing, and they've done a good job of that for the most part. And then finally, to shift over to the pigskin, uh, spring ball got a wrap. What'd you make? What, what, what was your takeaway from watching the spring game, Eric, and all the availability and accessibility it seemed like we had during spring football? So appreciative of Brent Venables. I mean, we got to see practice for, at 45 minutes a week. We got to see practice. That's and awesome. Nothing like we've had in the past at all. And I really appreciate his transparency and letting us go and see things. And, 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 and that team got better. I mean, that was the big thing. They had to go into the spring ball just understanding they had to get better. They had to improve. 
and and they're you know they're, no one's happy with six and seven. You know the fans hate it. They're, they're they're frustrated, but you know no one hates it more than those people inside that locker room. And uh, I think that's the goal. They had to get better. A lot of new faces, so this was important. I think it was really important to have all those mid-year guys come in. You know your Jackson Arnold's, your Peyton Bowens, guys like that come in and, and understand. You know, not only what it's like on the field and learning this offense, learning this defense, but off the field, getting adjusted to college and learning time management. And that's something we don't talk about enough. I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing to go out there and try to digest a playbook. It's another thing to be a college student and go to class and try to manage, you know, a really heavy load of football and, and, and mixed in with what you're here for, go to school. Yeah. So I think it was really big for, for everybody to, to be able to, you know, just try to work on improving everything. Awesome as always, bud. Uh, Eric, appreciate your hey, time. Enjoy the Chris, daughters' oh, games this weekend. I, I, I do want to add one more thing, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead, man. Uh, Sunday, I have a huge Patty Gasso package running in the Tulsa world. Uh, the headline is, Who is Patty Gasso? And it's really an extensive, in-depth look into Patty, uh, how she met her husband, uh, Jim Gasso, back in college, You know, the, their first meeting. It talks about, of course, her mom uh, back in California. You know, we talked about how long she's going to coach at Oklahoma and the expectation factor. Uh, we, we talked about her kids and how proud she is of her sons and, uh, and how much she adores and spoils her grandkids. It's a real in-depth, in-depth piece, uh, probably the longest story I've ever written as a journalist. And uh, I really appreciate Patty being really giving me time to talk to her, and I talked to her family members for the story. So it'll be in Sunday's Tulsa World. So uh, I hope you don't mind me promoting that. Oh. I'm really, really looking forward to that hitting the internet and letting a lot of the readers uh, kind of grasp and get some insight into Patty. Hell, man, I'm driving up to Turnpike to make sure I can grab a copy of it too. I mean, <laughs> I want I want to get my hands on that one. All right, so that'll be Sunday, TulsaWorld.com. Eric Bailey's feature on Patty Gasso. Can't wait to read it, man. EB, you're the best. Enjoy your daughter's weekend, and uh, we'll make sure to uh, talk up that feature. I can't wait to read it. All right, Chris. Have a good weekend. Thanks for having me on. See you, buddy. Eric Bailey. At Eric Bailey TW. So, Sunday, Patty Gasso featured in the Tulsa World about everything Patty Gasso. I think that's awesome. I don't, I don't feel like you can get enough Patty Gasso information, TBH. Do we still – is that one still to be honest? Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. whenever I found out that IMHO is now in my honest opinion, not in my humble opinion, that kind of th- – that's thrown me for a loop. So more Patty TBH is never a bad thing. But I, I, I hope there's a lot of mentions of me in here and how everything just seemed to change for her once we linked up on the radio broadcast. I doubt that'll happen. I will say, the star this week still has been Joseph Champ Gasso. And we found out something very interesting about that cut. Apparently, he can't eat peanut butter and waffles, or bananas and waffles. He cannot. Yeah, or apparently he doesn't, and it's very rare when he has when he has waffles, is my understanding. Hmm. So maybe it was, even if I can't eat bananas and waffles, I still love dinosaurs, is what I think we've decided to go with on that. Okay. I haven't I haven't confirmed that with Jamison Thomas Gasso yet, but we'll do our best to find out. That makes way too much sense. I didn't even see JT. It's usually I get at least a pregame fist bump. I didn't even see JT on Tuesday night. All right, so there you go. Weird Tuesday night too. All right, Wednesday night in the softball world. If if you missed it, uh, Oklahoma lost again. Or excuse me, Oklahoma State lost again as they fell to North Texas a night when they gave up 
three unearned runs. And North Texas, good team. Rodney's done a really nice job, but they really have no business beating Oklahoma State. Um, but they did. You know, we do have a we do have a local rooting interest for the North Texas Mean Green. A couple of a couple of players that we openly root for, including Molly Rainey, who went two for three last night with an RBI. I don't know. I'll have to check her dad, Chris. I don't. Chris did. Did Molly go to Washington, or had you guys moved here yet? By then, uh, so Molly went two for three, and Reagan Rogers left North Texas to work at USA Softball. She was a volunteer assistant there, and she was replaced by Katie Self. So there's all kinds of ties to Oklahoma and the state of Oklahoma softball. But big night for Molly Rainey. North Texas beats Oklahoma State five to one. It wasn't the only quote unquote upset in college softball last night as Wichita State got beat by Kansas. Took a tumble. Rock shock. I think Tulsa's better than their record is. That is uh, – Because they almost beat Wichita State on Sunday. Is that a doomsday sentence for regional hosting? Yeah. You can't you can't lose to Kansas and probably – unless you're Texas and host a regional. I hope not. I hope they still get a chance. But I haven't seen the latest bracketology in the college. So ever since Joey's no longer doing bracketology, I feel lost, Josh. I'm lost. All right. Hey – uh, football update when we come back because there was more news than just hey the the Sooners might be out there in the mix for a wide receiver and there could be some concerns over Keon Brown's eligibility there's a couple of other names we need to keep an eye on and we'll tell you about them next on the ref boy they are setting the Lakers up for the old uh Anthony Davis twisted ankle tonight aren't they do you see this headline Anthony Davis, best player in the postseason, question mark? Who is the best player right now in the postseason? I don't know. It might be Anthony Davis, but he was – Nikola Jokic, pretty good. Jokic's been really good. Uh, Davis was terrible in game four against the Grizzlies. I mean, terrible. In a a must-win situation for the Lakers. But I I digress. I'm not going to get too bogged down on the NBA right now. Wait till tomorrow morning if the Lakers go up two zip. Then, oh, dude, if if they're up two zip with a couple of road wins, a couple people uh, pointed out I missed one in a couple of North Texas ties to Oklahoma. Beyond Molly Rainey, who went two for three last night. Shout out Chris. Beyond uh, Katie Self coaching there. I, how could I forget True Sooner Hope Troutwine, who's on our staff now. Hope. Is dope. Uh, and then Oshamore is a commit to UNT at Carl Albert Jr. So there. Look at us bringing it all together. Portal talk quickly. Because, again, we have a show called Locked On every day from 2 to 3, which has been all over this every single day from noon until 2. Parker and Steelman are all over this. But for us, we just try to fill in the blank spaces with some information. Or – a nine out of ten. Oh, someone says Jimmy Butler. Got to be healthy to be a part of this conversation. Sorry, Jimmy Butler, not part of it yet. He's not healthy. <laughs> I need Jimmy Butler to get healthy, by the way, 405, because you're 100% right. He's been the best player in these playoffs so far. And I cannot have the Knicks winning any more games. So get Jimmy healthy. Anyway, back to the point. So we talked about Jordan Tyson, right? And Jordan Tyson 
has an Oklahoma offer. Um, high praise for the young man out of Colorado. Crystal Ball is in one. Colin Kennedy of Sooners Illustrated. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. But from everything that we have slash heard, seen, and projected, Jordan Tyson feels pretty solid. But, again, I'm trying to make sure I hit all of our very, very good friends. As on three, Sooner Scoop, Josh McQuestion mentioned, there was a handful of dudes that Oklahoma felt really good about, including the Louisiana Tech wide receiver that they thought they were getting, and then lo and behold, they ended up somewhere else. Yes. So I don't know if that's an NIL issue or what, but, again, it's the hay isn't in the barn until – the hay's in the barn. The hay's in the barn. I, I couldn't come up with any other farm analogy for you. Okay. So, uh, Keon Coleman, who was mentioned as a potential target for Oklahoma, he did break his silence yesterday, sent a statement out, and basically said, I know you've seen the speculation rumors. They're true. Coaching staff, thank you. Everything that you've typically seen. But I don't. What, just basically, hey, I'm transferring? Right, exactly. Very Well-written, something that makes a lot of sense about how much he appreciates. In other words, it's like a Dear John letter. These these statements are Dear John letters. Yeah, like, and you, I'm and very you grateful took, for you. Thank you. I'm leaving. Bye. And you took too long to write it because, I mean, the paperwork had to hit before April That's 30th. That's right. Uh, now, I, I was led to believe that this man out of Louisiana – was a slam dunk to LSU, but he is taking a visit to Tallahassee this weekend to meet with Mike Norvell and Florida State. So, if you considered Oklahoma in the mix on that, there you go. Very interesting on Keon Coleman. All right, here's a couple of names that were brought up just to kind of give you an update. Defensive back, specifically cornerback Trey Amos. Now, here's the thing about Trey that would be a little bit concerning to me. Everyone's jumping in on him. Penn State offered him on Tuesday night. And in addition to Penn State, the other players and teams that have at, uh, have offered him include Alabama, LSU, Michigan, Miami, and of course, Oklahoma. So he is a he's a talented defensive back, specifically a cornerback. And if we're if we're going to take a moment to wonder, okay, like we did yesterday, what does the pursuit of Jordan Tyson mean for the receiver room? Josh, am I reading am I reading in anything here that that this could be an indication of maybe not having Gentry Williams available, or is this simply a replacement for Jaden Davis? Again, I don't think it's one size fits all. I would probably say it's a response more to Jaden Davis. Okay. For me. I I think I agree with you. 6'1", 197, couple of years of eligibility left, 35 tackles for Louisiana, and it's not Louisiana Lafayette anymore, the Raging Cajuns, University of Louisiana, uh, had eight pass breakups. So Amos has become very, very desired in the transfer portal. So, so that's the name worth keeping an eye on. 
And the other name over the last couple of days that's really seemed to blow up is Troy Everett. Everett. App State offensive lineman, three years of eligibility out of the transfer portal. Uh, three years remaining. Three years remaining. As soon as he entered his name in the portal, he had offers from Louisville and Maryland, and the number has continued to increase, but at one point it was eight offers with names like Illinois, James Madison, Liberty, Louisville, Maryland, Missouri, Virginia Tech, and Oklahoma. 6'3", 294, started App State's first six games at center, earned freshman All-American recognition from the Athletic, and according to the Athletic, he was their number 12 best available player in the portal. Now, let me I know that the answer but let me read into this. Now we're adding three guys. Right? Jordan Tyson, a corner if it's Troy Am- Trey Amos and Troy Everett as an offensive lineman. So somebody's on the move. Somebody's on their way out. Um but we've heard rumors of concerns about, you know, maybe right guard, maybe a chance to come in and push Savion Bird. Or could they say, hey, this guy can be a center. Let's put Andrew Rame at a guard where he might be a little bit more comfortable. Let this guy call it. You got your freshman that's ready to go. And then you can shift Everett back to guard if you need to next year. I don't know. I, I think that there is a lot of options. And I am counting, just sitting here hypothetically in my mind, laying out a scenario if this dude even chooses the University sure. of Oklahoma. Well, more options on the interior of the offensive line would be a welcome sight. Yeah. Absolutely. There was an interesting move, by the way. Six games in, after a loss to Texas State, Appalachian State reshuffled the starting lineup. They moved um, Isaiah Helms to center. They moved a transfer to right guard. And then they they moved Everett as well, too. So he only played two snaps in their next game and 52 over the last five games. So they moved him out. Again, worth keeping an eye on. Worth keeping an eye on. All right. Anything else we need to add on the portal conversation? Handful of names. We've already spent two days talking now about Jordan Tyson. Now add Trey Amos to the mix, the corner out of Louisiana. And again, like I said, guy's been all of this unlocked on. Stealing through and have been all over this. And then Troy Everett on the interior of the offensive line. Feels like you could make a pretty solid argument for the needs for all three. Yeah, exactly. They, You look at all of them, you're like, okay, yeah, I could see. That that works. That makes sense. All right, that'd be a good fit. They need that position. But wait, that guy got benched last year. Well, Bill Beanbow sees something in him where he and Britton Venables want to go get him. So maybe it is just to come in and provide a little bit more depth. Maybe there is some frustration over the inability of Savion Bird to add the weight that they want. Hey, three names. I, speaking of OU, we got. I, I, I think did I say locked? Did I say locked on instead of locked in? Yeah, that's okay though. I, I appreciate plugs for our network because you are locked on Sooners and the <laughs> show right. is locked in. Yeah, why do people do this to me? 
All right, quick break. When we come back, let's dive into uh, a, a little note from the OU Daily and what it means. Plus, all kinds of audio from the playoffs last night, uh, NFL news galore. We're rolling on a Thursday with a plank show. Did you see the story breaking um, involving Alabama baseball? Yeah, out. They fired their head coach. Betting probe says, later. We had this story yesterday, and I think you and I both were a little bit intrigued by it. I was going to go back. And by the way, also speaking of breaking news, Hunter Dickinson Rock Shock. did commit to KU. Did you see how much money they talked about that he had on the table? How much? Oh, you ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. $2 million a season. <laughs> really? Yeah, $2 million a season. He's a nice player. I don't know that With he's... an option for a second season. And the debate was, is it truly a two mil over two seasons or was it a two mil over one season deal? <laughs> I was like that, that basically he's going to collect via name image likeness. Right. Right. Gosh. Gosh I I mean, am... What do you, what do you think about that? I don't think he's worth him. I don't, I don't either. And I love he's how, a nice player though, but I like how Kansas magically has a scholarship open up too. <laughs> Kansas like, Oh no, we're, we're tapped out scholarship wise. Oh, look, Gunnar Dickinson. Come on and play. So <laughs> we got a walk-on position for you. Back to the Alabama story here, real quick. Ohio, if you missed this story, just to quickly recap, it's the Plank Show with Josh on Plank. We've hit a little transfer portal talk. Eric Bailey was on with us. We've got our eyes on Jordan Tice and the wide receiver out of Colorado. Trey Amos, uh, Trey Amos, the cornerback out of Louisiana. Troy Ever, the offensive lineman out of App State. Parker and Steelman will be all over that coming up in about an hour and twenty minutes from now. But the Ohio Casino Control Commission suspended all gambling on Alabama baseball. The emergency order was in response to a report from an independent integrity monitor. And the bets involved the LSU-Alabama game. Sportsbook FanDuel removed Alabama baseball from its betting menu. And here was LSU led Alabama 8-1 after 7, ended up winning the game 8-6. The Tigers were already minus 245 favorites over the Crimson Tide in the game in question. So you might say, what? So LSU, it's 8-1 and they lose 8-6. How can anyone possibly... What's suspect shenanigans? Well, here is here is what the rumor is. Okay. Someone allegedly had intel before the book that Bama was going to sit starters, including their starting pitchers. Those same folks loaded up before the line could be changed, and so they're looking into it. So, in other words, you might say, well, you're betting on a favorite. Well, you're still winning money, right? Yeah, and if the uh, Alabama head baseball coach is telling you, hey, it's not a bad idea to bet LSU today, <laughs> then, boy, you've really got some problems. Alabama Athletic Director Greg Byrne issued the following statement. Alabama has initiated the termination process. Brad Wilhanna for violating the standards, duties, and responsibilities expected of university employees. Bohannon has been relieved of all duties – and Jason Jackson 
will serve as the interim head coach. There will be no further comment at this time pending an ongoing review. I mean, do you not feel like they're basically saying that he threw the game? Either that or he let some – yeah. Yeah, I am saying that, aren't I? Or at least they're saying that, aren't they? I I feel like they are. I mean, Mm. it it would be one thing to leak the information, but that's just – I mean, people find out guys aren't playing all the time. I also, I also wonder, Josh Helmer, is he is he working with the sports books in some capacity? I mean, there's some sort of something about the behavior they feel like is a fireable offense. Here's here's the other theory that I'll pose. Maybe something weird happened whenever it was eight to six too. Well, I mean, it had to have. Right. For it to be 8-1 to one and get to 8-6 to six and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, what's going on here? Like, were they not trying to win the game? I mean, Pull what a picture happened? at a random time, bring in Skrubinski, I don't know. But it's definitely a storyline worth keeping an eye on. Well, and it's, you know, some of the biggest news for Alabama baseball sometime. Right, exactly. And then, and then one more quick one here. This was from the OU Daily today. But the OU Board of Regents has called an unexpected meeting for 2 o'clock Friday to discuss and consider potential action concerning approval of documents to improve the university's exit or approve the university's exit for the Big 12 and admittance to the SEC. Separately, in Austin today, Texas Regents will discuss legal issues concerning terms of contracts associated with Texas's membership in the SEC. They weren't scheduled to meet until June. I don't think there's much more to this except just to finalize it, right? Maybe that's more than anything else. That's what they theorize in the in the OU Daily article. Yeah, sounds like the perfect excuse to have a meeting. <laughs> you guys got a tea time today? No, it got rained out. You want to knock this meeting out? You want to get this? <laughs> what do you think they could be discussing? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But, hey, just to me, I think you would be in a situation where, what, just clarifying everything as you're heading forward? It sounds like a big pizza party to me. But I don't think there's much to it, though we'll keep an eye on it for you. So that's making the rounds something to keep an eye on, I think. And also in the I think part of it, I don't really think there's terribly too much to this except for just saying, all right, we good? You guys okay with this? No, I'm, I'm this, serious. It really sounds like they're all getting together, having lunch, and just celebrating right. the move to the SEC. It's like, we going? You guys happy about this? All right, let's go. Hey, Patty Gasso uh, met with the media yesterday. We'll share with you what she said next. Trifecta of stories kind of breaking today. New member of the Kansas Jayhawks, maybe in a, in a, in a little bit of a surprise based on what the rumors were about the potential of Hunter Dickinson going to Maryland. I mean, this makes way more sense than that. So, Hunter Dickinson on his way to Kansas next year. Alabama has fired its baseball coach in the midst of a gambling probe and a quote-unquote surprise meeting for the Board of Regents. Keep an eye on all three as we roll on on the play. For all the times that you people spent clowning Lamar Jackson, he just inked his contract that included a $72.5 million signing bonus, the most ever in an NFL contract. Do you know who has the second highest signing bonus ever? This surprised me a bit. Dak Prescott. So, 
Lamar is 72.5 mil. Dak Prescott had the previous record at 66. It's almost like if you're good at your job, you can negotiate. You better watch out if Oklahoma fans said something bad about Lamar Jackson. They'll end up writing a story about how terrible you are. Yep. You you uh, Oklahoma fans out there, you um, vicious OU fans. Listen, Patty Gasso is ready for the weekend. Uh, during her meeting with the media yesterday, she had this to say about just the weekend in general and what it represents. Oh, this audio is terrible. You want me to crank it up? Yeah. Weekend. Pitchers have been great. Our defense has been outstanding. Is that better? That's a lot better. It's going to be a challenge for us, and we know it. So it's a lot of work. It's a lot of uh, – there's a lot of emotions in these games and all that. It's good for us to feel. It's good for us. Um, that's what LSU is for, is to kind of get us to understand what it feels like on the road in a hostile environment. So we're looking forward to it. It's always fun to play them. It's fun to play tight games. It's fun to play hard games. It's fun to play in front of crowds, whether they're for you or against you. But ultimately, it's going to make us better and prepare us for what's next. And that's what this is about for us. Sorry. They did not – can I be really nerdy here? Usually they'll give me an MP3 link, and so that way I can just download the audio so I don't have to worry about the video and queuing things up. So I apologize. Your boy's a little shook by that. Now, one thing that OU will truly experience this weekend is a hostile crowd. That doesn't happen very often because even when they go to hostile places. They're traveling. <laughs> there's yeah. a Sooner fan takeover. They're, they're bringing the hostile uh, crowd. Our team has got to understand that it's them together. It's You, know, you can think of it as you against the world. You can think of us as underdogs going into this. Who's going to lead us? How are we going to respond to things when it doesn't go our adversity, when it doesn't go our way? Those are things we need to feel, figure out, and make sure that we have it learned as we go forward. Patty, one with the success you guys have had that Oklahoma State has had, it seems like Bedlam is not only big just because of the rivalry, but just the importance in college softball. Uh, just maybe how cool is that from your perspective? <coughs> for this game to be such a premier game in college softball. Yeah, I, well, ESPN is there, so that means something. And uh, to showcase our state and good softball throughout our entire state, it's something to be prideful for. So we want to represent that as well. I mean, these are kind of bragging rights, so to speak, within our state. So it does mean something for us. Uh, we're not walking around holding trophies and, you know, we're not even talking about that right now we just want to get through the rest of uh big 12 and then you know celebrate after that but these guys won't do much celebrating if they're not going to go up there and play well and play to win that's what we're trying to do when she said about the bats getting challenged oklahoma state's pitching staff has been pretty good and kelly maxwell was one of the preseason contenders for player of the year and the numbers the numbers bear it out, but, oh, she has thrown a lot of innings this season and a lot of pitches. Uh, let's see, where are we at? Number of pitches this year, 1,810 pitches and 114 innings for the Oklahoma State ace. And she's had some success against Oklahoma. So I, I'm i pretty sure you're going to see Jordy Ball versus Kelly Maxwell on Friday night in Stillwater. I'm pretty sure it's going to be awesome. But 
Eric Bailey said it, and I think it's 100% correct. That game one's a big game in this series. Go win game one, take the momentum, and you're you're in a really good spot. Let me By comparison, by com- comparison, I was just looking at Maxwell. She's throwing 114 in a third innings, 1,810 pitches. Jordy Ball has thrown 98 and two-thirds and 1,432 pitches. So, you know, you might look at them and be like, oh, it's just right around 400 pitches. Yeah, that's like four games. <laughs> We're the more on Jordy Ball this year in that short kind of difference of innings between her and Kelly Maxwell. And I just, you know, Kelly was okay last night. She was really good against Texas Tech in their final game of the the first game of that series that they won ten to one, but she's she struck when she struggled at time. It's been struggled finding the strike zone. She walked six batters against Kansas earlier this season, so it'll be something worth keeping an eye on, especially for that incredibly patient Oklahoma attack. Gosh, you can't wait Friday night. Stillwater, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Bedlam. Speaking of that, we've got tons of news on the Sooners coming up in our top five stories today next.